The waiting is the hardest part. Every day you get one more yard. You take it on faith. You take it to the heart. The waiting is the hardest part. Tom Petty had a knack for timeless lyrics. More than 40 years after its release in 1981, his song, The Waiting, continues to tug at listeners more powerfully than ever. Part of our experience of waiting is cultural, and how time passes while we wait can vary from person to person and context to context. We wait differently and we have different expectations that are grounded in our specific cultures. From the cultural expectations about waiting in lines for stores in Japan to a common practice in Uganda of arriving hours early to the bus stop each morning so that people can wait together as a community gathering. So here I sit in the doctor's waiting room. The receptionist took my name, recorded my insurance information and gestured to a chair. Please have a seat. We will call you when the doctor is ready. I look around, a mother holds a sleeping baby. A man dressed in a suit thumbs through Time magazine that's at least four years old. A woman constantly looks at her watch, sighs, which she does over and over and over again. We are all waiting. This is, after all, the waiting room, not the examination room. That's down the hall. Not the consultation room. That's on the other side of the office. Not the treatment room. Exams, consultations, and treatments all come later. So why is this one called the waiting room when I'm going to be waiting in those other rooms just as long or longer? Anyway, the task at hand is to wait. So I'm waiting in the waiting room. Those in the waiting room understand our assignment, which is to wait and not much else. We don't treat each other. I don't ask the nurse for the stethoscope or a blood pressure cuff. I don't pull up a chair next to the constantly checking her watch woman and say, tell me what your symptoms are and what your prescriptions you're taking. That's not my job. My job is to wait. So I do. Can't say I like it, but I'm getting the hang of it. Of course, my mind wanders and I plead with the office speakers to play the Muzak version Tom Petty's song, at which point I burst into song with The waiting is the hardest part. Come on, everyone. The waiting. Just the nurses now. But I don't. And time moves like a North Pole glacier. The clock ticks every five minutes. Not every second, which is kind of disheartening. Although I feel like high-fiving the other people in the room every time it does, as if to say, we're getting closer. The waiting is almost over. But it's like someone has pressed the pause button. My life is so slow motion. Right now, I don't think I have to say it out loud. We are all going through something together. Something unprecedented. For most of us, in which we are waiting for to just be over so we can get back to normal. The road to Easter is part of this waiting. As in so many times in life, we face struggles before we arrive at our destination. Despite our best efforts, the future seems sealed away as we wait. Mary and Martha, had, who had 
to wait for Jesus to arrive when their brother was sick. They had done so much for Jesus. It had been Mary and Martha who many times had provided Jesus with food and shelter at their home in Bethany. But where was he now? Why did they have to wait? They soon become angry and frustrated. Now let's be honest. It's not that that is this not the feeling we have when things turn against us despite the fact that we have prayed, despite the fact that we thought we were going the extra mile, despite that we see ourselves as good people? But as so many times in life, what appears to be an ending can in fact be a wonderful beginning. Where we once only saw death, we can see the power of life. Where we see only failure, God can open a new door. Where we feel abandoned, God draws near and we find hope and assurance. What are we celebrating on this road to Easter is, even though we travel through times of loss, defeats and disappointments, there is power in the world that is stronger than all of those things, even our fear of death and death itself. Essentially, the gospel reading today deals with one who will have, who will have the last word. At first, the focus of today's story from John is on a sunset, but quickly turns to a sunrise. We have the joy and hope of Easter. We are talking about victory for those who seem defeated. For while the season of Lent is one of preparation and repentance, Sundays are always a celebration of the resurrection of Easter. But before we can get to this time of joy, John's account reminds us of the sorrow and pain that had to control Mary and Martha. Mary confronts Jesus with the fact if he had been there when Lazarus was dying, he would be alive now. When Jesus tries to comfort her by saying he will live again, she fails to understand. She took his assurance to be a theological statement, not a promise for the present. In the abstract, she agrees, but her heart was still broken. She believes, but she doesn't yet understand. Yes, there is waiting, but Lent is also a time of preparation for Easter. We can never know the full impact of the resurrection unless we are honest about those times when we have felt hope slip away or felt very alone, similar to how Mary and Martha must have felt when Jesus was not with them in their time of need. David Powers, an online blogger for the United Church of Christ in the United States, describes today's gospel lesson as a preview of coming attractions, a kind of first century movie trailer. He explains it this way. The raising of Lazarus appears at this point in the Jesus story to pique our interest and help us know what to look for when the Easter blockbuster opens at theaters in a couple of weeks. He describes the trailer in this way. The clip opens with the community in an uproar. Pan to a local coffee shop where a man scans the obituary section of the daily paper and learns that a much-admired friend, Lazarus, has recently died. The obituary reads, Lazarus, beloved brother of Mary and Martha, pillar of the church and companion of Jesus, the famous healer, died suddenly of unknown causes and was buried in a tomb near Bethany. In addition to his two sisters and best friend, Jesus, Lazarus leaves a host of friends and family who mourn his passing. 
Now flashback to another scene where Jesus had learned of Lazarus' illness, but waited to return to Bethany. We would ex explain his hesitation by saying it was due to an overwhelming sense of grief. Perhaps he found the imminent death of his friend hard to face. Perhaps he needed more time to process his feelings before facing the grief of others and their needs. Or perhaps he was just too afraid to return to the town where he had narrowly escaped stoning just a few days earlier. Yes, these are all plausible explanations as to why Jesus didn't just race back to Bethany when he got the news that Lazarus was dying. But we know he waited for none of these reasons. When Jesus does arrive, there are the familiar feelings of regret, if only. If only you had been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. Twice we hear this. And it's not just regret, but blame that is launched at him. How many times have our losses resulted in anger towards God or others? How many times have we laid blame or had blame laid on us? If only, if only, if only only. Have there been situations in our lives that we wish we could go back to and change? Is there something that you just can't undo but wish you could? Maybe there was a bad decision you made or even a series of them and sometimes that leads to irretrievable loss. On a computer there's a little arrow you can undo what you've just typed in. In life unfortunately we don't have an undo button. And then there's grief, the ultimate reality that has been, that really happened. Lazarus has died and Jesus weeps. This is real loss. This is real. Reality has set in. The story that John tells doesn't mince words when it comes to the reality of the situation. Lazarus has been dead for four days and lies in a tomb. The situation seems irretrievable. We've all found ourselves here also. We've lost something or someone very important. A job, a relationship, a person, or our own health. Something major has happened, either that we could or could not have done anything about. However, it has happened, and in this moment we are like Lazarus, stuck in that dark tomb. We are immobilized by regret and blame. We are bound by our own guilt, by our own grief. We are speechless with the anger we feel. We are tied up in sadness that leaves us feeling paralyzed. The story takes us through all of that and doesn't leave out the regret and blame and anger and grief. But then John tells us, Jesus weeps. He understands and we realize that we are not alone and that, as he tells us in no uncertain terms, that we cannot just stay there. We had to be on this path. We had to go through the grief we felt, the anger that boiled up inside and the sinking feeling of loss that we experienced. But we can't stay there because he is calling us. Jesus is calling us to start moving aside all those things that are keeping us from living life more abundantly, to roll them away, 
to come out of the darkness into the light of a new life. A life that you might not have thought possible when the loss came. A life that is only possible when, as Jesus says, you unbind it, you let it go, and free yourself. This is the powerful idea that was planted in the heart of a community over 2,000 years ago. Resurrection, new life, transformation. If there is any place where people can come, you and I, and be released from the bonds of the rest of the world, places on us, it is here, it is now. We say it in our words of welcome, we offer it in our fellowship. We extend it when we leave this time together empowered and even transformed. This week, two weeks before Easter, we have a foreshadowing that tells us that this Jesus story is a story of dying and rising again. It is a story of our own dying and our own rising. It is about the life, our new life, that's possible even after terrible loss. It's about the power of God's Spirit to bring us back to life, even when we have buried all of our hopes and dreams and thought all was lost. May this idea take hold of each of us, so that we too can find the peace we need as we continue down the road to Jerusalem. Peace be with you, as you find life beyond hardship and loss. Let us pray together. Loving God, we know sometimes the journey is hard. It takes us going in one direction and then another, rather than the straight path that we want to follow right there in front of us. We know it is a time of waiting. A time of waiting for that right moment to come when all will be right in the world. And so, oh God, we reach to you for the strength we need in the days to come to wait with us, to be that shoulder to lean on, that warm embrace that we can't necessarily get from the community around us at this time as we stay safely in our homes. All this we pray in your name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. If you are interested in contributing to the programming at Heritage United Church, please consider donating via our website. Go to https colon backslash backslash www.heritageunited.ca backslash give. Thank you for your support.